Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Twenty-one plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Ten dollars first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com/sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode of Conspiracy Unlimited, is 2018 the nation-state's last stand against the evil forces of globalism? Joel Skousen, editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief, discusses. We have to be very, very careful about letting our optimism get us get away with us in the sense that we cease to prepare for a takedown. They're leading us into a third world war. This podcast is brought to you by Family Bunker Designs. If you believe things are headed in a scary direction these days, then you'll want to listen to this message. Four years ago, John Hartman, a retired military man and certified disaster and survival expert, created the ultimate solution to keep his family safe from danger. He built a family survival bunker. With the advice of experts, he decided to share what he learned and published the ultimate guide to family bunker construction. His designs are highly affordable, yet your family bunker will be safe, well-hidden, and strong enough to withstand almost any disaster or terrorist attack. These days, with so many threats out there, a safe hideout is essential for security. And right now, when you order the Family Bunker Guide, you'll get three bonus survival guides absolutely free. Don't put it off. Get this life-saving information now. 
Learn more at clearbroadcast.com. That's clearbroadcast.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Well, Happy New Year and welcome to 2018. Welcome to Episode 13 of Conspiracy Unlimited, my first podcast of the new year. Hope your holidays were merry and bright. 2017 is behind us. And my slight buzz from the New Year's Eve champagne had barely worn off when the latest edition of the World Affairs Brief Newsletter arrived in my inbox, courtesy of publisher Joel Skousen, and I began pouring over the analysis of the year that was, 2017. The uh, the ongoing titanic struggle between the globalists and the nation state. Uh, this week's edition also looks ahead at the the prospects of war with North Korea, and then further down the road, the almost inevitable nuclear confrontation with Russia and China. Talk about a buzz kill! Uh, whenever I speak with Joel, it's always pretty intense. Let's uh, keep in mind we don't get together to chat and exchange veal recipes. I'll tell you that much. This conversation is likely to get a little bleak. So be forewarned. Sometimes I think Joel should rename his newsletter from World Affairs Brief to something like, oh, I don't know, maybe steal the title from that Ray Bradbury book, Something Wicked This Way Comes. In any event, hold on to your hat and brace yourselves. Joel Skousen is a political scientist by training, a political commentator specializing in the philosophy of law and constitutional theory, as well as a non-fiction survivalist author and retreat consultant specializing in preparedness topics, particularly survival retreat and fallout shelter design and construction. He is also, as I mentioned, the editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief, a weekly news analysis service that examines the secret motives of world leaders and the globalist conspiracy to undermine national sovereignty. Joel Skousen, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm just fine, Richard. It's always good to be with you. Likewise, and a happy new year to you and your family. Thank you. Before we get started... I want people to to know, to understand how they can subscribe to your fabulous newsletter, World Affairs Brief. Well, thank you, Richard. Uh, My website is worldaffairsbrief.com, and uh, we put out a summary of the top news stories every day. But I do my in-depth analysis of the news every Friday, and this week's uh, is the 2017 In Review, my annual big picture briefing. And people listening can get a free sample issue simply by emailing me at editor at worldaffairsbrief.com. In your your year in review, you talk about that this year, this past year, 2017, is the first year you've, you've had something significantly different to report, rather than what you call this slow, agonizing loss of liberty at the hands of the globalists. What changed in 2017? Well, of course, what changed is the election of Donald Trump. And it isn't that Donald Trump has actually reversed any major loss of liberty, but we have seen a major slowdown 
and a stopping of the globalist agenda in many, many areas. And I listed 20 in the brief of the successes that Donald Trump has done, mostly through uh, executive orders. And almost uh, a third of what he's done right has been blocked by the courts. And so they're really, what this has done, as I explained in the World Affairs Brief, the massive outpouring of bias and prejudice by the media in a daily basis against Donald Trump, losing all sense of neutrality, combined with the uh, universal opposition of the Democrats and the media and the courts, indicates just, and the bureaucracy, I might say, uh, indicates just how strong the deep state influence pervades all forms of our government and even outside government. So this is only, what, a, a temporary interruption of the globalist agenda? It is. In other words, they're, they're trying their best to stymie them, they're trying their best to remove him from office. Um, and that's the reason, for example, why they didn't want Mitt Romney to be elected, even though uh, uh, he was a conservative, he was much more stable than, uh, uh, than Donald Trump. And yet, even though he bent over backwards to hire globalist advisors from the CFR and hired Michael Chertoff to run his uh, advisory campaign, they didn't want him. They don't want somebody who's not an insider in the White House. You just see too much. And they have had to circle the wagons and corral Donald Trump to keep him from seeing all of the deep state activity going on. But he's seeing enough. He's seeing all the leaks. He's seeing all the betrayal within the bureaucracy. And he just doesn't know how to stop it because, frankly, there aren't enough conservatives in Washington because of all the liberal and, and globalist agenda for so many years. There aren't enough conservatives in Washington to staff even a tenth of the White House staff, let alone the rest of the bureaucracy. So he's really at a disadvantage, even if he knew who to pick, which he doesn't because he's never run in conservative circles before. Who amongst his staff are, are the key globalists? Well, that's a little difficult to say because uh, the only one that I'm sure of is uh, uh, two of them, H.R. McMaster, the National Security Advisor, and uh, uh, Chief of Staff Kelly, uh, General Kelly. Uh, those people have both have globalist uh, backgrounds. Uh, of course, every military general of the general officer nature goes through command staff school and goes through National War College and several National War Colleges. Uh, and they're taught generally by globalist professors from Georgetown University. So they get an indoctrination for years and years on the benefits of the uh, U.S. expanding its power worldwide, intervention in other countries. And they're not allowed, if they object, if they really put their foot out and object to this, they don't, they get passed over. You don't get to be general. And so, that's what happened. Now, Mattis, I think, is in that category of somebody who said yes to them all the time, doesn't see the danger, or at least chooses not to see. Not an actual globalist uh, himself. Uh, and yet he gets uh, briefings, for example. He turned around completely Donald Trump in his Afghanistan briefing that he got in the Pentagon tank, that soundproof room in the Pentagon, where they get top-secret briefings. And boy, they just gave him a snow job. And even though he asked a lot of questions, uh, getting prompting Tillerson to say what a moron he was uh, in private under his breath, uh, he didn't have any answers for the stock answers that these briefers have. They have answers to all this stuff. Any objection. You have to really know what you're doing in order to counter their answers, to counter their stock answers. And he doesn't have that background. He doesn't have a military background to know 
if what his staff is presenting him uh, about his options in North Korea have any validity or not. And I'm really worried that they're, they're problematic there. What, what score would you give Trump on, on draining the swamp? I would give him a, a zero on draining the swamp. For example, he fired James Comey, who was an insider, a member of the swamp, and he replaced him with Christopher Wray, another insider member of the swamp. He, his history goes back with Comey and Mueller and, and the clear to the Enron and the uh, 9-11 cover-up by government. So this is an insider, and so he, he just doesn't see. He's picked several insiders when the, when the uh, Democrats have blocked a nomination, like Puzder of Labor had to withdraw. He puts in Alex uh, Azar in there and... Uh, Acosta, uh, yeah, know, Alex Acosta. Yeah. Alex Acosta and then uh, Alex Azar as HHS, who's right. a former uh, executive, and uh, uh, you know, and to allow Jeff Sessions to recuse himself while keeping Rod Rosenstein, an Obama appointee, as deputy, just turned over the Department of Justice to Rod Rosenstein, who then, of course, appointed Mueller, who's an insider and who has worked incessantly to try to find something on Donald Trump vis-a-vis the Russia investigation, which had been totally unsuccessful, and that's why he's gone after ancillary and not even connected things to the Russian inquiry, such as the uh, you know Paul Manafort and his money laundering and working for the Ukraine had nothing to do with the Russian collusion. No, thing. it leads back to the Podestas. And, yeah, and he's not for us getting the Podestas, of course. Uh, you know, right. those emails, uh, you know, of Anthony Weiner are coming out now. They had classified things. And, of course, now we know that the entire uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation at the higher levels, not the entire, I would say about all of the higher people were already conspiring to let Hillary Clinton off the hook. I mean, we know that Strzok and uh, McCabe were editing uh, Kami's uh, decision to exonerate her a month before they interviewed Hillary Clinton. Think of that. Yes, unprecedented. They were, they were changing the document and deciding how to word this carefully, you know, to exonerate a month before they even interviewed her. I mean, this is just... And people should go to prison for... This is real obstruction of justice. And yet, I'm afraid that the Congress has no guts for this because the media, of course, will crucify them if they try to. But clearly, this is obstruction of justice when you have collusion to whitewash a major crime like this and to come out, as, to, as Comey did, saying, we can't find any intent for Hillary Clinton to violate the law. Well, intent has never been a defense for security of violations. It has never been a defense and yet they handed it to her in a silver platter and the media said nothing. Well, that was I mean, that seemed correct. to be that seemed to be plan A was to first exonerate uh, Hillary. Uh, but then when she failed to win the election, then they had to go into plan B. And we hear this term insurance policy being bandied about by uh, former FBI investigator struck. What was that insurance policy? The insurance policy was the Russia uh, investigation. It was the way to impeach Donald Trump. It was the way, and they haven't succeeded in that because there is no collusion. I mean, you can talk to the ambassador of Russia or any enemy country as a candidate all you want. It's not a violation of law because you're a candidate for president. You have a right to talk. If you collude directly, and that means they have to come up with the actual conversations, which they don't, haven't come up with, then you can prove collusion. But they don't have anything. There's no smoking gun there. And so they're just dancing around the subject. What they're really trying to do, Richard, is to get Trump to make a mistake in terms of obstructing justice that they can wiretap from the NSA 
sneaked to the press and then crucified. And he, he's been smart enough so far not to let that happen. He knows that everybody is leaking in the White House. He's got holdovers from Obama still in the White House. Uh, you know, it's it's really interesting, and I watched this very, very closely. In the first month of the Trump administration, there was nothing, no moves out of any of the bureaucracy to do anything based upon their democratic background. You know, these people have been in these pro-government positions for years, and a lot of them were Obama appointees, and they did nothing because they were afraid that Trump was going to clamp down on them and come and fire them if they started to do business as usual. But as soon as the courts blocked his Muslim ban, they realized, oh, okay, the jig's up, he's stymied, he's going to be kept running around and busy uh, with his own brush fires, he's not going to be able to monitor us. And boy, after a month, they began, it was business as usual. Every, everything uh, about immigration and refugees went up to normal and even increased over normal levels. Uh, the funds kept flowing out, he didn't stop any of those funds going to those uh, uh, NGOs and uh, religious organizations that were creating housing and buying up land and property for refugees in other countries without the permission of the states. Uh, it was just business as usual, and he still hasn't clamped down. That's why I give him a zero of, uh, of draining the swamp. And he's been very, very ineffective at trying to uncover and expose the deep state. And I, I must admit, Richard, it's very difficult as an expert in conspiracy and having watched this for decades, having been in Washington, D.C., it's almost impossible to tell who's just being a useful idiot and following along because it's a politically correct thing to do and who's an actual conspirator making the decisions. In order to get that information, you'd have to wiretap these guys' phones. And, of course, the NSA controls that, and they wouldn't. You know, the deep state controls the NSA. They would come back and say, no, there's nothing there. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files. And what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Back that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! Fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I seem to recall reading something. It may have been on WND where where Trump was considering or had decided to hire an outside private intelligence firm in order to spy on those that are spying on him. Do you recall that story? I don't recall that story. Uh, I'll have to find that. Happened. Yeah. yeah, obviously it happened there because it isn't happening. And, uh, you know, they could even thwart that. You know, I mean, they can basically, with the, the label of national security, throw that badge up. They can stop anybody, even the president from getting down into the NSA. If you had some uh, FaceTime with, with the president alone, what would you say to him in terms of uh, helping him to drain the swamp? Who would you tell him to surround himself? Who would you appoint as his advisors? Well, in the first place, I would sit down and discuss with him all the known examples I have how the deep state is operating right now under his nose, especially the underground arms and funding of ISIS which he needs to know about, how they falsified, for example, the chemical weapons into Syria so they could blame it on Assad. Two of the things that have driven his agenda, um, how Iran, for example, I've explained to him about the Iran deal, how the uh, powers that be went in and invited Iran to make the deal. It wasn't Iran asking for this deal. It was our own people saying, we want to make a deal. And they trapped Iran in knowing that how deeply they wanted to get rid of the sanctions into accepting things that would allow it to be a trigger event for a future war and how he's falling into that trap. I mean, just by exposing him to those three things in foreign policy so that he could go after it and task Mattis under threat of you know, expulsion, you find that deep state pipeline and Mr. Skousmere has told us which Azerbaijani airline is doing it. They know which airline, it's a whistleblower here. I want this shut down. And I'll tell you, he would... uh, Here's the problem, Richard. If you really started to uncover the deep state, they'd have to do something. They cannot, they will not take no for an answer. They will not allow this operation, which has been going on for decades, to be shut down. And that's when you start to get into the threat of, uh, you know, threatening the president. And if he doesn't divide, you know, you eliminate him or you incapacitate him. And they have that 25th Amendment that they can throw out there if they interjected mood-altering drugs and made him unstable um, so that he, they could claim he's incapacitated. They could do a lot without even assassination. And I, and I don't think assassination is on the option. It's a last resort. And that's because you would create a martyr out of Trump. Now, you'd make your problem worse in terms of making people hopping mad. You always create a lot more conspiracy evidence when you do an assassination like this as they did in JFK, and you create a lot more evidence when you pull off a black operation like 9-11. People might might roll their eyes at this suggestion, but I think there are some interesting parallels between Trump and Kennedy in the sense that they both ran up against this uh, permanent uh, national security state this the, and, the, and the deep state. 
What do you think? Yeah, the thing that triggered Kennedy's death was that after the day after the Bay of Pigs uh, failure, he was livid because he had gone to bed authorizing the air support for the Bay of Pigs. And in the middle of the night, George Bundy, a globalist, canceled it. And he knew in the morning, of course, that Bundy, who had all these excuses why they shouldn't do it, you know, was part of the CIA. And he swore right then, I'm going to shut down these black operations of the CIA. And I think that's what signed his death warrant. But do you see a parallel uh, between Kennedy and what well, he was yet. up against? No? Yeah, you've got to remember that Kennedy was a liberal and a Democrat. And one of the reasons why, besides sealing his death warrant on trying to shut down CIA black operations, they wanted to make Kennedy a martyr. Because, you see, his le- legislative agenda had been failing in Congress. He wasn't passing anything of the new... of the. Uh, Great society thing, which uh, as soon as they made him a martyr, nobody could say no, and they passed everything in Congress under Johnson. And so they wanted to make him a martyr. But you see, first of all, Donald Trump doesn't have, I think, the background sufficient to be able to ferret out the deep state. And secondly, even if he did and they martyred him, they they don't want to do that. They don't want to make a major hero of Donald Trump and enliven Trump's supporters, which are very activist. They're not the majority, in my opinion, in the United States, but uh, they're enough to really make waves and, uh, and cause... Uh, they just don't want to have another landslide uh, against them. They want to have a backlash election, which I, you know, they're trying to engineer for 2018. You make it sound quite hopeless. I mean, many people who obviously oppose the globalist agenda uh, had at least a glimmer of hope with the election of, of Trump. And we, and, and, and we, uh, we realized it would be a very difficult task to drain the swamp and, and sort of reverse uh, course. But you make it sound almost hopeless. Well, look, I've studied this for decades, Richard, and that's why I'm on your show. And I'll tell you, you look at the Brexit, for example. The Brexit won in a vote very similar to Trump's winning. They caught the pro-EU people off guard. They thought they were going to win. All the polls showed that they were going to win. They kind of sat on their hands, and it came back to bite them with a massive vote for the breakfast. Uh, Brexit, just like the massive vote for Trump, they didn't anticipate it. It overwhelmed even their manipulation of the election on both sides of the, of the pond. But now you look how Prime Minister Theresa May, who was against the Brexit, came out, and I was very suspicious of her. She said, I'm going to champion this Brexit. I'm going to make sure it's done. And she acted like she was really going to go forward for it. And she had done nothing but sabotage it. In the name of negotiating all this, she's agreed to inculcate everything in the EU into, into British law so that the Brexit means nothing, including massive British spending for a new EU army, which she is secretly engaged with. I mean, everything except the EU court, which she's uh, not uh, accepting into Britain, but everything else, including all the laws, are being put into British law. So these are very sophisticated. These globalists are not going to take no for an answer. And that's why I think we have to be very, very careful about letting our optimism get get away with us in the sense that we cease to prepare for a takedown. If we keep thinking, we're going to win, we're going to win, we just need another Donald Trump, but look what has happened. They have thwarted him on almost everything, especially the ports. They're leading us into a third world war, and that's why what he's doing in North Korea is very, very critical. 
You know what else is critical, Joel? Internet security. And internet security experts tell us to use a different password for every website. But that can be a bit of a nightmare, keeping track of all those passwords with our online shopping, banking, email, and other essentials. Plus, long, complicated passwords are more secure, but they're so hard to remember. Well, there's one great solution. It's called RoboForm. You never need to remember or type a password ever again. RoboForm gives you stronger passwords and faster logins, all with a single click. It keeps all your devices in sync, and when you shop online, RoboForm fills in those long address forms with one click. It's available for Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android, for personal or business use, and for peace of mind. RoboForm has around-the-clock support. It's one great solution for online security. Learn more at one great solution. Solution.com. That's one great solution.com. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. The highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. Proof is an investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. 25 years later, on December 8, 2022, both men were finally freed based on evidence unearthed by Proof. In the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Rene Ramos. On June the 5th, 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now, Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, and Ty Lopez, the 33-year-old uncle of one of Jake's close friends, were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let me remind listeners, Joel Skousen, editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief. Just uh, before we get into North Korea, remind listeners again how they can subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, they can go to my website, World Affairs Brief. The newsletter is an email-only newsletter. It does have a PDF link where you can print it out if you prefer to read it in paper copy. But at worldaffairsbrief.com, you get a synopsis of the current brief with a big red subscribe button. That's how you can subscribe. It's only $48 a year or about a dollar a week. But I suggest people get a free sample copy by emailing me at editor 
at worldaffairsbrief.com before they do so. Now, you, you, you write that Trump is doing the right thing by, by going after North Korea militarily, but you say he has less than a year to take down their nuclear missile program uh, before it becomes lethal. Explain. They have successfully, with the help of Russian technology, and most of their rocket technology comes from Russia, um, uh, done the, the Wasong 14 uh, missile test, which is a true intercontinental ballistic range uh, missile which can threaten America, Canada, even Western Europe. So he's got the missile range now. We don't know how many missiles he has, but the problem is that he's never had a warhead that has survived reentry. This requires special metallurgical uh, technology to be able to withstand the extreme high heat of. Uh, uh, coming back to the atmosphere from a very high trajectory. And um, this latest missile, for example, broke up upon re-entry, so the warhead didn't even burn up like it did in the one before that Japan has a photograph of, of the middle of the warhead flaming and then exploding from heat in the re-entry. But they can solve that any time, you know, with a little technological help from Russia or China, and China is a uh, you know a secret puppet spon- uh, a sponsor of North Korea, and uh, certainly has only been holding uh, North Korea back because Russia and China aren't ready for this trigger event. North Korea, which has always been planned as the trigger event for World War III, um, they aren't ready to take on the West yet. They're still not in in production of all their top of the line weapon systems, which aren't coming online until 2022, 23, or 24. So they don't want this trigger used up, and that's why they are promising the moon to try to get Trump to back off and accept negotiations. But Trump has wisely said, look, every negotiation has failed for the past 10 years, and they've lied and cheated to us. His globalist advisors are pushing in to allow one more round of negotiation, which he's doing right now, but he's got at the end of the rope, and they know it. Look, we're going after him. I promise the American people we're going to take care of North Korea. And so... This is a this is a major uh, military strike on North Korea that is coming, probably after the Olympics. I I presume uh, in March, and that's what uh, CIA Director Leon Panetta had told um, uh, Jim Rickards uh, that that's when he expects the strike to go down. So this will not be a bloody nose, as uh, some of Trump's uh, globalist advisors are recommending, that we give North Korea just a bloody nose. This is going to be... Well, it might be. That's what, I, that's what I worry about, Richard, is that he's been given several options, and they're pushing the bloody nose option first. But I'll tell you, you do a missile strike of, you know, 50 cruise missiles on an air base, it's going to do nothing to stop his offensive power, which there are three legs of that. There's a massive artillery force, 15 to 20,000 artillery tubes along the DMZ, which can start to put down a barrage upon Seoul, the capital, only you know, 60 miles away from the DMZ, immediately. And you've got to take those things out if you're going to stop. You can't just give them a bloody nose and expect him who, you know, the the... the the Eastern mentality, especially Russia, I'm sorry, especially China, North Korea, and Japan, is that they don't accept, uh, save, I mean, they, they have to save face. They cannot accept a strike without retaliation. And so it's going to happen. And I, I think that's why he needs to pick the, the toughest option to have a massive strike of all the armed forces' legs that we have, cruise missiles, uh, bombers, fighters, uh, artillery, and everything to take out 
the artillery along the DMZ, get all the air bases, and get all the missile launch sites in the first day. And then you stop him from being a lethal threat, and you don't have to kill any North Korean civilians, and you don't have to invade the country. You know, with an appropriate blockade, you can bring it to its knees. And that would, of course, involve some conflict with China, because China right now, we know, is cheating on the sanctions by doing ship-to-ship uh, transfer of oil, and Russians are doing the same. They were caught doing a ship-to-ship uh, transfer of oil and fuel oil uh, also this week. But you're saying the odds are 80% in your estimation that this would not lead to World War III. In other words, China and, and, and Russia would not join forces against the United States in retaliation for a U.S. strike on North Korea. 80% chance, 80% odds that it will not lead to World War III, correct? Meaning, meaning, and I'm projecting that it will not uh, lead to a retaliatory nuclear strike upon America from Russia and China, which would be overwhelming. Okay, I do think, however, that they will play the role of helping North Korea resupply militarily, so that they can still fight this war. They want to have this war get bloody, just like the first Korean War was, where the U.S. fought. With, uh, under UN auspices where all their plans MacArthur had to go through the Russian commander of the UN military uh, desk in the UN and that's why the North Koreans and Chinese knew about everything that MacArthur was going to do except the Incheon landing by the way which he didn't tell the, the UN that he was going to do uh, but uh, this is the problem is that I think his globalist advice if Trump doesn't do it the right way and really neuter his ability and then block China from entering anything into North Korea by putting up a blockade, a naval blockade, and an aerial blockade over the Yellow River so that China cannot use it across those bridges with any supplies. Um, he's going to have another Korean War, and his advisors and the American people, just like Vietnam, will say, no, this is too costly, and they have too many casualties now. And they will sue for peace before victory, just like we did. We were on a victorious roll, pushing the Chinese and the North Korean back, and they said, all right, ceasefire. And that preserved this trigger event for future. And I think that's what they would do in this case. If this trigger event goes off too soon, they'll stop it before it arrives in victory, so the communists are still in power in North Korea. And then that trigger event will be postponed into the early part of the next decade when Russia and China are ready. That's what I fear. You, you mentioned China, obviously, uh, being the major sponsor of, of North Korea. But would North Korea have even a glimmer of hope of developing nuclear weapons without former U.S. President Bill Clinton? Well, yes. I mean, Bill Clinton uh, didn't, you know, knowingly give them technology. He allowed the Commerce Department to let all, a lot of technology go to Red China, which gets to North Korea indirectly. Uh, but he was he was a globalist puppet, just like Obama was, just like George W. Bush was. They controlled both Republican and Democrats, and they played permissive with North Korea. I mean, look at, in contrast of how they treated Iran with absolute. You know, there's no uh, room for error. You cannot develop a nuclear weapon, and, and North Korea already has one, developing the missiles, and yet so far, no administration has ever said, we're going to use military force to stop you. They haven't even said, we require regime change, and they say the military option has not been on the table until Trump. And that's one of the reasons they didn't want Trump in there, because Trump would react, 
as a natural, smart businessman, he says, look, this is a threat, and negotiation is not on the table. North Korea says the nuclear program and the misperm is not on the table, so why negotiate? And his, his advisors have been given some very sophisticated arguments to put him off, but I think that's all they're doing is putting him off. I think he's going to strike, and I'm just hoping he strikes big enough in order to neuter the threat. If he doesn't, we're going to have another Korean War by spring. Going back to uh, to President Clinton, you mentioned something in your year in review on World Affairs Brief, and that has to do with, uh, you, okay. call, you call it uh, a, a key indicator of these treasonous intentions, and this is Bill Clinton's secret PDD-60, which changed the U.S. nuclear response doctrine. What What is PDD-60? Presidential Decision Directive 60 was a complete revamp of U.S. nuclear doctrine. It changed the prior existing doctrine, which was we prepare to win a nuclear war if it starts by launching on warning and prosecute it to its end until it's, it's won. And the doctrine was changed in PD-60 not to win a nuclear war, but to simply deter it and to not rely on launch on warning, but to absorb a nuclear first strike and be prepared to absorb a nuclear first strike and then retaliate afterwards. As General Butch Neal in Marine Corps said when he read it, he said, retaliate with what? And one of the reasons, and I give a link in this World Affairs Brief if people get the sample, I give a link to the only known exposition about PDD-60 because it's top secret still. And I don't even think Trump knows about it. I don't think his advisors have told him about it unless he change it. But PDD-60 feels secret that we have a known exposition by one of the guys, Craig Cernillo of Arms Control Today and a disarmament group who helped write it. It explains, uh, you know, the, the, the Washington Post uh, in December of 1997 was saying, well, this still allows launch on warning. And Craig Cernillo wrote a piece in the New York Times saying, no, it does allow launch on warning. And, uh, you know, it basically says we need to prepare to absorb a nuclear first strike and retaliate afterwards. And uh, I'll tell you, that is just really stupid because when our satellites detect the launch, when you launch on warning, their missiles hit empty silos and our missiles are out of the silos and heading for real targets. So the one who launches wins in a, in a, in a first strike scenario. And uh, what Butch Neal also knew, which I found out, is that PDD-60 also removed the alternate launch codes. So in case the president's nuclear suitcase, which gives the codes out for launching nuclear, doesn't arrive at the nuclear forces, there are alternate launch codes. If we've got uh, confirmation a nuclear strike is on the way, they can still launch, but that's not true anymore. If the globalist advisors around Trump interdict those launch codes so they never arrive, we're going to absorb a nuclear first strike even though our missile forces don't know it and are still practicing to launch a first uh, or a launch a retaliatory strike, launch on warning, they won't be able to do it without those alternate launch codes. And Trump will have thought he authorized it, just like Kennedy. I authorized the air support. The globalist, I think, will intervene. They want, you see, our military destroyed in a first strike so that they can convince Americans and Canadians and Europeans into joining a militarized global government in response. If the U.S. military is destroyed, who defends the West? Precisely. Perfect, perfect excuse to cobble together, and I think that's what this new EU army that's being secretly deployed, not under NATO, but under 
the globalists in, in the EU is going to be the seed forces to start this militarized global government. I think that's what's being set up. That's why the Brexit will not be allowed to occur. That's why Prime Minister May is betraying it and putting uh, English armed forces into the new EU force and paying, helping pay for it. So these populist uprisings, uh, first in, in the United States, then there was Brexit. There seems to be a, a populist uprising in, in places like Poland, uh, uh, Austria, Hungary. Uh, is this is 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 this the last gasp of the nation state, or is there still hope, Joel? Well, this is the rebellion, but the trouble is they are in a minority in every country, and just like the Trump supporters, technically are in a minority here. Trump wouldn't have been cobbled together as big a minority as he did had it not been for his populist stand. If he were a true constitutional conservative, he wouldn't have got half of those votes. And so only by compromising and bringing the blue-collar workers and promising things that he couldn't deliver, like jobs, um, you know, there'll be a few increased uh, by this, but it won't be, you know, you can't be with all of the regulations, the red tape here we have. That's what I'm just saying. We are a minority, but they're still worried. They're worried in that they've had to pull out all the stops in Austria to defeat, uh, you know, the, the Freedom Party and in Belgium and uh, Geert Wilders and others and, and in France, you know, with the uh, National Front. They really had to pull out all the stops and make them look bad and do false uh, flag type things and use the terrorist thing to keep people you know, used to major government power intervening. So terrorism has been a, a, a major global force by the globalists in order to get people to lose constitutional liberties and rights. So and to get involved in international conflict all every year. Let's discuss uh, Russia and China and their military capabilities. You said their their high tech weaponry is not coming on stream. Uh, until 2020, 2030. So there is a window uh, here. But what what do the Chinese, for example, what do they have right now in terms of, let's say, their nuclear arsenal? Well, the Chinese, of course, uh, are, you know, it's really the Russians that have the biggest um, uh, threat to us because they've got a lot, a awful lot more missiles. I mean, they have got hundreds of high-tech new missiles with uh, 10 to 12 warheads, some of them only have four, but some of them, you know, average, say, 8 to 10 warheads each. Uh, we've only got 406 missiles left. We keep shooting them off every year as tests, and we've taken all three warheads off and replaced them with a single warhead. So we have 406 warheads to throw in a nuclear exchange, and the, and the Russians have over 1,000 on missiles. And the Chinese, even though they have perhaps only 90 ballistic missiles, they're all merged with at least 10 warheads on them. And so the uh, even the Chinese with 90, you see, have 900 warheads versus our 406. And as I say, we have some ballistic missile submarines as well. But in 1997, President Clinton made a one-sided compromise with the Russians by saying, as a gesture of goodwill in line with PDD-60, we're going to keep 50% of our ballistic missile submarines in port at any one time to make them easier for you to target, just to show that we have no offensive uh, desires against Russia. I mean, this was just suicide, and it's still going on, Richard. 50% of our ballistic missile submarines are in port, in two ports, Kings, Jade, uh, Kings Bay, Georgia, and Bangor, Maine. Uh, I'm sorry, Bangor, Washington, in the Puget Sound making those cities literal targets. They're going to get hit by the Russians and Chinese. 
to stop them from uh, getting out of those underwater pens. And you are one of the few journalists who has insisted from the very beginning that the Russians, Putin remains a communist and the Russians uh, remain a... a, All of the Soviet Union. Right. They crafted deception. Yeah. A, a crafted deception. Yet I read about Putin, for example, uh, uh, giving uh, land back to the Orthodox Church. Uh, he wears a crucifix uh, in public. He, you know, he talks about the Bible. That doesn't sound like a communist. He's also hasn't he also uh, allowed uh, sort of free enterprise uh, zones in Russia. Uh, he's privatized a lot of, of property that was held by the former Soviet Union. I mean, he, at least on the surface, he seems to be uh, a capitalist and a Christian. Well, these are typical ruses which communists, it's easy for them to do. First example, about the Christian aspect. You know, the Orthodox Christian Church has been in bed with the communists ever since 1917 when they're overthrew, at least when Lenin and Stalin uh, were really in power and Khrushchev included, uh, the Catholic Church, or the Orthodox Catholic had was under communist control. So it's nothing for, for Putin to say, yeah, I'm supporting the Orthodox Church. One of the things he's done is clamp down on anything, on, on other religions, I mean, free religion. He's clamped down on Mormons, he's clamped down on Baptists, he's clamped down on Jehovah's Witnesses, they can't proselytize anymore. So this is not you know, a religious person who's out for religious liberty. Yes, he's allowed some free market, opening in the markets, but, for example, they can still control state control over all transportation. And he, by the way, is the, the newest oligarch, really, is getting, what I've heard from my sources in Moscow, a 4% cut of all trade that comes through, he gets a cut. He's part of that bureaucracy that basically says that's how we make ourselves wealthy. So... I mean, he is, his palace is built in Sochi, you know, for Putin. He claims, you know, isn't his, but everybody knows in Sochi, this is Putin's palace that was built for him. Gold-plated and gold lined. So this is typical communist tactics, not free market tactics. Any more than the Chinese open the markets, of course, to companies, but they still require you give up all your trade secrets when you come into China. And that's unfair trade practices. practices. And they're doing that, of course, to gain funds to build up their military industrial complex. And so it's like Lenin said, you know, the capitalists will sell you the rope to hang them. So a look ahead to 2018, Joel. Um, maybe leave us with some hope here. What are, what are some things to look for that might indicate uh, that the, uh, uh, you know, the anti-globalist uh, resistance, you know, might be winning? Well, I can't give any hope, any false hope that the anti-globalist resistance is winning. What has been done is Trump has slowed them down. And that, to a certain extent, gives us more time. It gives people more time to prepare. But I'm telling people that, in my newsletter, that this war is coming. Even if this North Korea war doesn't end up as a World War III, it's going to happen in the next decade without fail, because Russia and China are not building these weapons of mass destruction for nothing. And as long as PD-60 is still in vogue here, it means the U.S. is intending to absorb a nuclear first strike in the military. So while we enjoy the respite from some globalist things, um, we need to still prepare for war because it's coming. And I'll tell you, when it comes, life in Canada and the United States is never going to be the same again. Never going to be the same. There's going to be an EMP strike to start it, followed by a 15-minute later strike on American military forces and Canadian 
some Canadian bases as well. And uh, that EMP is going to take down the grid for, you know, could be three months, could be six months. It only takes three days to cause chaos and, ri- chaos and rioting and social unrest. So what I'm saying is while we must still fight for our liberty, we must still fight to get these laws changed and some reversals made, we need to be preparing for war because it's coming. And Canadians and Americans are just in complete denial. Our leaders aren't warning us. Nobody's warning us about war. But I'll tell you, they're all preparing. They're all building extremely deep bunkers under the ground. That's not for terrorism. They know this war is coming. They intend to survive, but they're not telling us. So I'm just warning. There are. This is coming. And Trump is going to, this year in 2018, he's going to do a big infrastructure spending thing. I don't know where he's going to get the money after the tax cut, but the Democrats are going to, of course, support that. It just isn't any money. He needs to cut foreign aid. He needs to shut down, do a partial shutdown of the government. And everyone says the shutdown of the government shuts everything down, and it doesn't. You can basically use the government shutdown, the funds that are coming in to fund the essential things, and then cut off foreign aid and cut off the unconstitutional welfare aspects of it. It would be held to pay politically, unfortunately, because of the entitlement mentality now. But, you know, a Republican, if he did it right, could really, uh, you don't have to have a balanced budget, budget amendment. A government shutdown does that. You just keep the essential things of government uh, running and you cut off the foreign aid and all the extra stuff. And you'd find that people would survive and get used to it. But I don't think Trump you know, has the wherewithal to do that. So 2018, uh, prepare for war. Uh, Joel, we'll have you on again, and uh, you, can, you can advise us on how we can it's do coming. that. I'm not saying it's coming in 2018. No. I don't think it is. No. But it is coming, and that just gives us more time with Donald Trump to do some preparation. And we can prepare, and we can talk about that in the future. And we shall. Joel, again, tell us how we can subscribe to World Affairs Brief. Go to worldaffairsbrief.com and uh, get a free sample issued by emailing me at editor at worldaffairsbrief.com. Joel, always a pleasure. Thank you for this. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Well, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I want to give you a heads up on what's coming up on episode 14 of Conspiracy Unlimited. But before that, it's a new year. Let me ask you, is weight loss on your wish list? Unfortunately, the commitment to weight loss often fades. Many people simply give up in the first 90 days. And the key is having the right mindset. Getting thin and staying that way lies in our thought processes. And hypnotherapy can make all the difference. Now, clinical hypnotherapist Dr. Steve G. Jones has created a set of five audio hypnotic sessions that apply the power of hypnosis to reprogram the mind and replace bad habits with vibrant, positive new habits to help you achieve natural and long-lasting weight loss. Weight loss hypnotherapy really works, and it's available now at a special discount. Isn't it time to lose those extra pounds? Check out weight loss hypnotherapy right now at smartclicksavings.com. That's smartclicksavings.com. Well, speaking of hypnotherapy... Episode 14 of Conspiracy Unlimited, How to Remember Past Lives Through Hypnosis. I'll discuss with registered hypnotherapist Dr. Elena Gabor. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. 
So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>